money. I don't have your money. I know I'd be a lot happier with some extra cash. Is this about money? Oh, man, we got bills to pay, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, this is all about money. I got to talk to you about money. With practical tips and a focus on scripture, let's talk money with Dave and Reb from More Than Enough, the financial show that speaks to the heart of your money story. Real conversations about money for real people. Let's talk money. Are you ready to talk money, Reb? I'm ready to talk money. Well, that's really good. I say this just about every show because this is the money, the show where we talk about the hard issues around money. And if you don't talk, it's me and our guests. Yeah, but today. I could not talk. Well, I probably won't talk too much today. Hopefully, because well, you guys, you should like, talk money because it's you know Dave I, and Red. <laughs> And Susanna today. And Susanna. Welcome here, Susanna. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me again. This is a pleasure. Good. So just a little housekeeping. If you haven't heard the last show we did with Susanna, then that gives you the opportunity to look back in the archives and just look it up and listen to the show. This is, I wouldn't say necessarily, Susanna, it's not like a round two or, or a continuation of our conversation. We're picking a new topic today, but we love having you back. You are a colleague of mine on the mortgage side of the business and, uh, you know, an inspiration to all us people who are striving to do well in just advising people when yeah, it comes Suzanne to mortgage. Yeah, Suzanne is amazing. And so, of course, I'm going to say come to more than enough for mortgages, but, you know, second place. <laughs> well, <I'm, laughs> it's a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me again. It's good. Good. Um, so, before we go, like, as we normally do. Wait a do, minute. I didn't tell you where the archive shows are. Okay. Just quick. MoreThanEnough.ca, and on your favorite podcasting Podcast. platform. Yes. And we keep expanding. Um, I saw we were on another platform. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, it was, I, every once in a while I look, and that's really good that we can just continue to, to, to spread the message. So it's cool. Yeah. So, so and my, our website designers, like, get people to Google review you. So I suppose we want good reviews. So if you have a good review, like, you can... <laughs> <laughs> more than enough in Google reviews. If you don't anyway. like the show, then don't leave a review, okay? <laughs> anyway, right. let's move on to the topic because Suzanne is here to talk mortgages and we're going to talk today about responsible borrowing. But like we do with every show, I take some scripture verses and I had a bit of an aha moment before the show today. So I'm going to read from Luke 12. If you have your own Bible at home, you can read Luke 12, 13 to 40. It's the, all course, kinds of interesting stuff in there. Um, but this is when Jesus is talking to the crowd, and someone asks him, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus says, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he went and told this parable, the ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, there's a lot in there, but the one thing, I'm going to go back to verse 14, because when this guy asks him the question, Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard for all kinds, against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And when I was thinking about the show, I was thinking about what motivates people, because we're going to talk about um, 
what a person can um, qualify for in a mortgage versus what a person can actually afford. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I was thinking about the greed that is at play that we don't often talk about or recognize. So if you're going to a lending institution and they're like, yeah, you can, uh, you can borrow all this money and this is what you qualify for, often doesn't mean you can actually afford it. And there is a certain thing called greed that's at play in our world and in with lending institutions. Maybe they don't really, I don't, won't say this as a blanket statement, but maybe they don't really care about you or your family. They just want to make sure you get money, pay the interest, and they have you pouring into their lending institution. And well, they I are think selling money, right? They, I mean, right, right, true. Right, and, I, mean, the, the yeah, whole... I often tell my clients, banks aren't charities. So no. they're, not, they're there to make money and they need to sell you products to make money and they need you to borrow for them to make money. So that's, you know, yeah. I think their mandate's pretty clear. Yeah, so, yeah. I, But I think when you're looking for them, I mean, we can have our own set of desires and, and maybe want something more you know, our own greed is at play when we come into shopping for a home. But just be aware that when you're going and looking, you're shopping for that mortgage, the, the lending institution has greed at play too, and they care about the bottom line. Well, there's a lot of play there. Uh, a lot of people shop for homes because they want to keep up with the Joneses, the neighbors, they have status mm-hmm. that they want to display to their community. So I think there's many, uh, many things that play there. And I'm sure Dave would agree that we often say in our industry that we can give you enough rope that you need to hang yourself with. Yep. Yep. Right. Oh, yeah. So just because you qualify for it doesn't mean that you should buy it. Right. So yeah. really good segue probably into yeah. the conversation. Yeah. Right. And I use the example often, you know, Let's just look at two families. Let's make some assumptions that they make the same amount of money, that they have the same amount of credit, that they have the same down payment, but one family has one child and one family has five children. That's the only difference. Now, in terms of need, the family with five children actually needs a house, maybe a little bit bigger, may have a few more rooms. But in terms of affordability, the family with one child likely has more available cash flow to carry the higher mortgage. So there's a tension right there between they both qualify for the same mortgage, but can they both afford the same mortgage? And, you know, I would put out there that not really, because from a cash flow perspective, somebody is not going to eat one day a week in the family of five kids if, if, they, if they buy the same house. And, and a big thing to remember here is that what you qualify for is just a snapshot in time, right? Yeah. So if on the day that you're applying to a bank for a mortgage and you're both working full time and you have no children and, and things are wonderful and rosy, um, you might qualify for quite a lot of money. If you spend as much as you qualified for, you're not preparing yourself for what happens in the future. So yeah. you're not preparing yourself for a maternity leave. You're not preparing yourself for potential disability. You're not preparing yourself for the cost of, you know, having children and what, what that means to your budget, right? So yeah. hence the statement, you know, you can hang yourself quite quickly with the rope that you're given. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's should be stressed a little bit more in terms of, you know, what payment can I afford on a monthly basis if my income is compromised? So the big, big trigger, of course, is maternity leave. And I'm, Dave, I'm sure yeah. you see this all the time, right? Young couple want to buy the house of their dreams. 
what happens when that income is cut down to Tough. maternity leave? What yeah. happens if they take an extended leave? What happens if the child is sick and they can't go back to work and they Correct. have to rely on one income, right? So there's a conservative way to approach things and there's, you know, maybe a greedier way to approach things. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not only the house. Responsible borrowing extends to everything you put in your house, right? right? Um, it extends to what I call HGTV syndrome. People get, you know, stars in their eyes and they want granite countertops and stainless steel appliances and they want everything to be shiny and new and you know what you're putting in your house after you buy it is is also part of responsible borrowing because debt financing these types of purchases just leads to trouble down the road yeah right and and again that's you know when we do the qualifying numbers you haven't purchased any of those appliances. You And then you've went to the brick after the fact. And so now I got, you know, six months, don't pay a cent event, whatever it is, right? And, and, and you're going, wait a minute, all of those expenses weren't there when you bought the house. And now the, the debt burden has grown just simply because you needed to move in. And yeah, you do need some appliances and whatnot. So, you know, that's one of the things, the questions we're asking as, as brokers is just saying, okay, talk to us about the future. Talk to us about what you might be planning. Um, talk to us about the transition that you're making if there's a planned transition, because the reality is, is a lot of times these, these things aren't, they aren't surprises. They're just part of the plan and to connect the dots and say, all right, then we need to actually reel back your monthly cost. Um, and so that we know you can qualify for more. Yes, we recognize that, but let's look at that monthly affordability and look at that cash flow from, from that perspective. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, I tell clients this all the time, credit cards and lines of credit are not bank accounts. Mm -hmm. They're there for emergencies. So Mm -hmm. if you're buying an older home, yes, it's probably a good idea to get a line of credit for any emergencies that may pop up. Um, If there's a crack in your foundation or a hole in your roof or your water tank is shot. Um, But even better than that, to avoid, maybe part of responsible borrowing is avoiding borrowing altogether, right? And having a cash fallback position, Mm -hmm. maybe not spending, you know, that much on brand new furniture or the bigger home, but having a little bit of a cash reserve so that you can weather the storm of any emergencies that can come up, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, we're, I'm often talking, I'm sure you are, Susanna, as well, is, is especially those first time home buyers as they're moving in and saying, listen, you're going to empty out your RSPs. You're going to empty out your, your savings account to get all that money in a down payment. You maybe have enough for the closing costs. Okay. We need to consider that. And have you considered the move-in costs? You know, yes, you, you know, you, you're going to make the house your, your home. And so we want extra cash flow. And that may mean a little bit less down payment than you anticipated, or you may have to save longer to get to that down payment mode, just to make sure that you're not emptying out the entire bank account and going in with no cushion. So I'm listening to you guys and I'm like, okay, I want to buy a house for the first time. And I'm like, completely overwhelmed because I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. So how do I know, like, where do I start to know what I can actually, what's affordable for my family? Like, how do I figure out those details? Well, one of the places I start is talking to my clients about the rent they pay. Mm -hmm. So you pay $1,800 a month rent. How much money are you saving right now by paying $1,800 I'm giving the thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we're on the same page. But if you're finding $1,800 a month uh, of rent stressful and you're not able to save at that, at that point, um, what does it mean for you to go into a $22 or $2,300 mortgage and property tax payment 
each month. It means that you're literally not saving anything. So again, what you qualify for on paper versus, you know, your lifestyle choices. And I and I always kind of make a mm. joke of this when I, I speak to clients, but I say only you know what matters to you. You might yeah. smoke three packs a day. You might love purses. You may love to travel, right? So what I see on paper isn't necessarily reflective of, mm-hmm. you know, the things that are important to you on a daily basis. Maybe you are a really, really good saver, and that's great. So you're responsible, let's go forward. But if things like travel are important to you, um, you know, or, or other activities, sports, mm-hmm. you know, anything that costs money, if that's important to you, we should be putting that in into your numbers so that we make sure at the end of the day, your, your budget is still conducive to, to your home purchase. Yeah. And one of the things that I do, um, you know, again, this is when there's a little bit more time. And, and that's one of the things that the sooner you can kind of nail down, we're thinking of buying a house six months from now. Okay. That gives us a six month lead in where you can say, okay, so let's do the numbers. If you buy a house, say $500,000 house, this is what your mortgage payment's going to be. This is what your property, we can do all that fictitiously and actually compare your current budget with the new housing cost to your current rent and say, oh, there's a $700 difference between the two. So for the next six months, you should save $700 as a minimum, be putting that towards your down payment. And at the end of it, if you can't do that, then you know that you need to reel that back because the reality is, is you've said, well, I was only able to save $500 those six months. Well, great. So we're going to knock your, your mortgage payment down 200 bucks so that you can actually live the life you want to live. And it's kind of like test driving the new numbers even before you can do it. Now, that's for those people that come in early enough that, that want to, in a sense, say, hey, we're thinking and we get to have that conversation early. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that come in and say, hey, I'm putting an offer in a house next week. What are my numbers? <laughs> yeah, <Right>? exactly. <laughs> and in the planning stage as well, I mean, not to bore listeners with the minutia of mortgage qualification, but just to kind of lay the groundwork, um, there are certain rules in place that will only allow you to spend so much of your gross monthly income for your shelter costs. So sure. I'm not sure if this has been covered before on previous shows, but generally the magic number is 39% of your gross monthly income can be spent for your mortgage property taxes heating. But there's a second cash flow ratio in which is how much of your total monthly income is going out for debt in general. So that includes your mortgage, but it also includes things like car loans, student loan payments, line of credit, credit card minimum payments. Now, someone's numbers can look wonderful on paper, but I always run scenarios with them. I say, okay, you have no children. You're going to go on maternity leave. Um, you go back to work after your maternity leave, and I'm going to factor in $1,500 a month of daycare into your numbers. Yeah. All of a sudden, the numbers blow up. They're nowhere near what they could be to qualify for a mortgage. I said, if that's a very real possibility for you, we need to take that into consideration. Other examples might be they might have a 15-year-old car. Well, we're qualifying them today based on having no car payment, but we know there's an imminent car payment coming in. So I say to them, well, this is how much you technically qualify for, but if I need to factor in a new $500 a month car payment, this is what you really should be thinking about buying, right? So there's all types of future scenarios we can run with clients 
to, you know, show it in black and white as to, you know, this is what you qualify for, but this is what you can actually afford. Right. And, and, and those numbers are not like pie in the sky fictitious. This is just real life happening, right? You know, you know, the car example is a great example of, so if you're buying a house and you have no cash reserve, you can't buy the car cash. So we know that you're going to have to borrow it or you're going to have to work in a savings plan for that. So great. That still works into a $500 a month savings plan or car payment, whatever you want to use to, to, to use it. And recognizing that that cash flow is king. When, when we say, you know, cash flow is king, it really is in this case that, and the other thing um, is just committing for five years. So most mortgages that we do, you're going to commit to that payment. And what is the term? You know, how long are you going to commit to that payment? And that's a big deal because, again, we want you to stay in the house. The bank doesn't want to own your house. They don't. You do. <laughs> and so, you know, recognizing that as we navigate that, just being realistic, maybe being conservative uh, in a sense of saying these are the things that as you look forward to the, say, the next five years, what are the things that might happen in your life? Are you going to have a child? Are you going to need to buy a car? Are you like not just the immediate things on move in, but mm -hmm. then also down the road a little bit as you've committed to it. And you've brought up a good point about the five-year term because also part of responsible borrowing is not using your home as a bank account, right? right. So <laughs> this is very popular. <laughs> we, we call them perpetual refinancers. Yeah. So every yeah. five years, you drain all the equity from your home and you know pay off all your debt and get all your toys again. And But what this serves to do is basically increase your mortgage and keep increasing it to the point where you're never actually paying it down, right? right. So your home should be one of your bigger assets in your portfolio and the plan should be to start accumulating wealth through gaining equity in your home right, right. so again responsible borrowing means that you're not using your home as a bank account you're not bleeding it dry every five years yeah. right on stuff that you're like okay so what did I spend it on, right? Because by that time, it's sitting on a line of credit or it's sitting on a Exactly, uh, right? And impulse yeah. buying is, is a real thing. We go to home shows, we go to the mall, we see ads on social media. We're perpetually blitzed with information about how all these nice little purchases are going to make you so much happier, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, these are just things. And does a 70-inch TV really make you any happier than a 60-inch TV? I, I don't know. Maybe my husband might disagree, but... <laughs> I was going to say, hmm. But I think, I know, I'm drawing it back to that verse I read. I mean, we got to be careful of greed in our own hearts. Is it really necessary? And um, I guess my other question to you as I'm listening to you talk is, do you find people resistant when you actually make them face those affordability questions? Do, do you know what I mean? I'm not sure they resist. I just don't know that they've done the math, right? I mean, I think there's been something circulating on social media about $28 a day of discretionary spending yes. is $10,000 a year, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, people have been sharing yep. it. And, yep. you know, $28 a day of discretionary spending is, is not that much. Yep. It's a lunch out, it's a couple of cappuccinos, and a, it's a pack of cigarettes, right. you know. So that adds up really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. So $10,000 a year of discretionary spending is, is you yeah. know, especially if you're putting those purchases on credit, even worse. Well, and, 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 and I was just going to say, and so what, what happens is, is at the, you know, at the beginning, January 2019, you look at it in January 2020, you look at your bank and you say, wow, there's $10,000 more of debt that I have accumulated over that 12 months. 
Well, guess what? It's $28 a day. That's how you reel it back, but that's also how you accumulate it, right? So Credit card statements, I think everybody gets these now, and it shows at the bottom of your statement that if you only make the minimum payment, mm-hmm. it's going to take you, mm-hmm. you know, 69 <laughs> years to pay it off, right? Um, credit cards are not bank accounts, yeah. and responsible borrowing is using your credit card for the convenience that it has to offer, but pay the darn thing off. Yeah every single month. If you have to carry over a small balance, endeavor to pay it off in full the next month. But credit card balances that you're carrying from month to month to month to month is a signal that you've not been responsibly borrowing. Well, and and that's, and again, that goes to that whole cash flow. Maybe everything worked when we had the dual income, but now we don't have it. And making that change to recognize that maybe up the front, we don't buy as much so that we can afford it. I, I remember when Reb and I got married, the one piece of financial advice that I remember was you live on your salary and you play on Reb's salary. And so when we did our finances, all of our house buying, all of that stuff was based on my income and my income alone mm-hmm. because we knew that Reb eventually was, we were going to have some kids and we were committed to her staying home with the kids at least during those first years. Now, you ended up staying long, home longer. with the kids the entire time. And boy, am I ever glad that we structured our finances that way mm-hmm. because I can't imagine trying to reel it back um, when Is- you're so used to. Is it harder for people, like I'm just thinking, you know, we chose uh, 30 years ago where we've almost been married 29 years. 29 years. Um, And uh, is it harder now with the numbers, like with the market that's happening in Ottawa, like with with the $500,000 like average mortgage, is it harder for people to afford homes, do you find, or... Is that a hard question? That's a very loaded question, right? But yeah, I guess the short answer is yes. It's very difficult for people to get into the homes that they feel they need because of the escalating market conditions in Ottawa Mm -hmm. and the stress test and the the mortgage rules. And yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a real challenge. I mean, a big thing we're seeing, you know, with young first-time home buyers is transfer of wealth from Mm -hmm. generations. So the bank of mom and dad, and we went to a conference last week Mm -hmm. and they said 55% of first-time home buyers are getting help from parents. I mean, these are the types of things that unfortunately need to happen in response to such an escalated real estate market but but yes i sympathize with the home buyer in this market it, it's it's not fun in ottawa these days <laughs> well, well and, and the key is there's lots of exterior pressure right so so you may have that affordability number from from us on the finance side and then you've got the market and you've got the real estate that are saying listen if if you don't go in this much don't even put an offer in because the reality is, is you're not going to get it. And so for a, for a home buyer, first time or other, for a home buyer, they're going, well, that's the house that I like. And, and I, you know, there's this pressure from the salespeople to say, well, this is what it's going to cost you to get there. And you have to decide. Well, am I going to go there? And there's been a lot of discussion in the media lately about the stress test. And this is probably a whole other show, right? We could talk about the stress test. But, you know, fundamentally, I'm not in disagreement that we needed a stress test. And, you know, to quote my favorite economist, Benjamin Tell from CIBC, (laughs) uh, Canadians needed to be saved from themselves. And, Mm. you know, as onerous as it might seem, it was probably a a good strategy to keep people from overbuying. You know, again, the temptation is when you qualify for a certain amount is to spend it. 
Um, it's it's a green light, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it should be a yellow light, mm-hmm. right? It should be a moment to pause and say, okay, caution, you know, are we proceeding with caution, right? Mm-hmm. Bank gives you, you know, or a mortgage broker for that matter, gives you a green light to spend 600 um, Just maybe take a step back and yeah. re- reconsider that. And, and it's so hard in the environment that we're in. And, and I wouldn't say that that's abnormal in the sense of anytime you're buying a house and you see that nice shiny thing that, you know, you see the house that you love and you fall in love with it and then you go, oh, it's this much beyond what, what our kind of cash flow comfort was, but I do qualify for it. So there's the, but I do qualify for it. So now it's up to the, the individual buyer to really go, hey, do we tighten our belts? Do we sacrifice something so that we can get into this house? And uh, Suzanne, I guess you can attest to this too. How many times do we have buyers calling us and saying, can I just go this much more? How, if I go this much more, how much more is it going to be on a monthly basis, right? I mean, we get those questions because that's, we, we know that that's the tension and, and they do actually qualify for more, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we've talked about the affordability piece, but they do actually qualify for more. So, and then there's the pressure to go higher. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes there are other, other income sources, but, you know, a big thing to consider is, is the income source always going to be stable. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So your job stability, I mean, Ottawa has really good, stable, high paying jobs. But if you're working in the type of industry that's subject to cuts and layoffs and, you know, that should be a big piece of your puzzle as well. How mm-hmm. stable is that income source and how likely is it to continue? Um, just because some, you know, reality is, you know, companies close and people lose their jobs. So that, you know, the strategy of trying to, you know, if it's possible, trying to qualify to carry your, your debt load on one income alone is a really good safety net. Now it's not always possible, but you know, if you can approach your home purchase in that way and say, Mm -hmm. you know, once we're more established or once my business, you know, if you're self-employed, once my business is more established, we'll consider upsizing, but try to, you know, scale back your wants, you know, Mm -hmm. initially so that someday you, you, maybe someday you can get it, but scaling back your, your want or your wish list initially. I know that we're easing to the end of the show, but I keep thinking of my own parents and, and the, families I grew up with the one family I remember saying their first home but they had lawn chairs like and it was those like mesh lawn chairs you I don't know my yep. those they're, yep. they're not the comfortable ones now they were I'm like that's what was her living room furniture for a long time because that was just you just didn't have access to credit exactly. and my parents <laughs> lived literally the first four boys they had was a one room shack with a wood stove and that my that's like that's a long time ago I realize it and that's not the world we live in but then I talked to my daughter who works with immigrant families and they're in one apartment six kids they don't have access to the you know for them buying a house isn't isn't feasible quite yet when they immigrate so like there are people that are living on all kinds of levels and I guess that's the question you know do we do we need to scale back do we need to work a bit to do more savings like I, I don't know everyone's story is different but I guess we have two minutes left but what's the hope what kind of hope can we leave people in this? With this, you're looking at me. Okay, <laughs> all right, great. Uh, well, we're supposed me, to bring hope and freedom. Yeah, okay. I guess I, the same. My hope is the same of every chat that we have. My yeah. hope for you and all your listeners is that everybody lines themselves up with a professional and gets good advice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So don't necessarily. Um, line yourself up with someone who has a stake in in your game. Line somebody up with 
yourself up, sorry, with somebody who actually cares about your future yeah. and wants you to, to succeed. So yeah, that's a great word. And uh, a good. good mortgage broker and a great lawyer and, you know, and a great realtor as well. You know, it's all the triumvirate of people who will take care of you, hopefully, in, in, in your best interest, not yeah. theirs. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. my hope. Yeah, there that's great. Uh, I'll I'll piggyback off that. So great, and and you know, thank you, Susanna. Thank for you for being here. And give us your like, give us your um, email address so people, if they want to contact you and ask. Oh, it's question. pretty easy. It's Susanna at yourmortgagespecialist.ca. Okay, and I'll have that in the show notes too. Okay. So, so we only got a minute to wrap up. So a couple things just uh, by way of of. Thank you, Susanna, for for coming. Um, these shows. Uh, I love the conversation because it's timeless, right? I mean, yes, the market in Ottawa is what it is, but you know, as we talk about this and, and I know you may have friends that are buying, you may have people that you know that are thinking of buying and getting in early, getting to a professional that cares in and has your best interest, as Susanna said, those, those two pieces uh, alone can make all the difference between, hey, we have to move out of our house because we can't afford to live here anymore. And that's the downside of it. So there you go. Reb, are we done? We're done. We're done. Okay. (laughs) So join us next week when we talk money. Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.